You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. That's right, Tommy's here. Aaron's here. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them that we told you to call. Tommy's ripping up the studio here. Um, early studio early is, is a term <laughs> that I would use loosely. Yes. Well, it's a very small spot. It's cozy, um, but it does serve its purpose most of the time, as long as you don't rip the equipment off, you know, the tables, which you just did. And then when I said, will you please move so I can fix it? He goes, no, <laughs> no. That's why you answer me all the time. No. And I mean, then it was a flimsy piece of equipment. <laughs> Even equipment is, is, is a stretch. It might not be actual you know, equipment. You know, I, it's I, an attachment of yeah, sorts. I think there's a lot of duct tape around here. There is you know what? There is a lot of duct tape around yeah. here. Yeah. Well, you know what? Why overspend when you don't have to? Because you don't have to to put a pod ta- podcast together. I'm not encouraging everybody to go out and do a podcast, but I'm just saying the expense structure of a podcast is a lot less than running a radio station. Oh, you know what? I'm familiar with that. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, all right. So there are, you know, it's it's July 8th. So we could sit here as I did yesterday and open up with the World Cup win, um, get to some of the ratings information. I know you have a column coming out on the World Cup. I have no idea what it's about, but I want to hear it. I'm sure it's, um, I, I would bet it's probably condescending in some way. Uh, I do want to get to the NBA and your thoughts about the last five days. Um, and there's a Redskins story that I haven't gotten to. It's not a story. It's one of those um, sort of you know evaluation uh, pieces on ESPN.com that came out last week, I think, and I just haven't been able to get to it yet, which ranks the rosters in the NFL. So I wanted to get to that as well. But the Women's World Cup ratings, interestingly enough, because I, I did not, I would not have predicted this, but the final was actually down from the 2015 final in which the U.S. women beat Japan. But wasn't the 2015 final a primetime event? I it, think it was. It was a primetime event, um, so yeah. much different than the Sunday morning event from right. yesterday. Um, but overall, Fox uh, announced that the overall World Cup uh, television ratings were up 2%. And I'm talking about the whole games, yes. the, the whole cup, all of the games, up 2% from where it was in 2015. And here's another interesting thing, and this does not surprise me because Washington, D.C. typically is high-ranked when it comes to some of these soccer events, when it comes to television ratings. Market by market for the final, Austin, Texas was the number one market in the country. San Diego was two. D.C. was three. Really? Kansas City, another big soccer market, was four. Seattle and Portland came in five and six. They are big soccer cities. Um, And then you got to San Francisco, Boston, Baltimore, and Los Angeles, and that was your top 10. But D.C. was the third highest-ranked television market for the Women's World Cup final behind Austin, Texas, and San Diego. Yet, yet here in D.C., where there's a women's professional soccer team called the Washington Spirit, they are ranked eighth in attendance in a nine-team league. They play at the, uh, uh, I guess Montgomery County Soccerplex or something like that. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, yeah. They average about twenty nine hundred fans a game. Well, it's not a big stadium. It's not like a well, stadium. Well, I think it seats four thousand people. Oh, it does. Yeah. 
Well, I, again, I, we've talked about this before. They're two separate conversations. The World yes. Cup is an event yes. that people actually like, and professional soccer leagues in the U.S., people don't like or watch. Right. This is, look, this is what I've written about in, in the Washington Times. It'll be online later today, is this narrative that's taken place now within 24 hours after the World Cup we're basically we're being shamed and browbeat into now. If you watch the women in the World Cup, then you better watch them play professional soccer in the in this soccer league. Who says this? But Budweiser took out who, who just became a sponsor uh-huh. for for the league. Well, that's a good sponsor for the league. Took out a full page ad that in the New York Times that says the world will watch them play today. Who will watch them play tomorrow? The headline said. Tomorrow, the women of the U.S. national team will return to their club teams in the National Women's Soccer League. And many don't realize they play these games in front of empty stadiums. It's the best women's soccer league. It's in our backyard, yet we let it go unwatched. How can we support the U.S. women's national team if we don't support the women's game? Well, we can. We can watch what we just watched, and I did watch it. And I promise you, I will not go to or watch one of these professional soccer leagues. But you just said something that I was unaware uh, unaware of. Is the U.S. professional league the best in the world? That's that's, that's up to debate. Well, what are the others? I mean, well, you could make the case. Is there a Premier League version for women? I think I think women's soccer leagues in in Europe are considered better quality. But I think they're making a case that since the women won the World Cup. And these women play in this league that it's that they're saying it is the best league. That's up to debate. That's something I don't know a lot about, except I do know that women's professional soccer in Europe is is bigger than it is here. There's more interest than it is here. But this this but notion, the better players play here is what you're saying because well, the, the U.S. players well, the, stay home. They don't play in Europe. Uh, I don't professionally. know are you writing a column about this? But I'm not writing about the quality okay. of, of the soccer. What I'm writing about is this notion that if you watched the Women's World Cup, you signed on to a duty to support women's <laughs> soccer for the, for, for the future. I didn't see the contract I mean, for that. It's, it's, like, it's like a shotgun wedding. You know, you, you've been dragged to the altar. Right, in Vegas. And, and you're being shamed. If you decide, well, you know, I had a lot of fun watching the Women's World Cup, but that, I mean, I don't really like soccer that much, and I don't really go to women's professional sports that much, but now I have to because I'm being shamed into it. Well, you, no one will get shamed into it. No. They can try to but this, shame. This is what it's the not going is. to work. This is what the message well, is. The message is. Well, maybe it's the only message they've got left to try. I don't know. I mean, because the I message of it's absurd. come see our game, it's fantastic. That didn't work. But this What's is the look, name of the league again? Uh, the National Women's Soccer League. I mean, but this is what we hear about women's sports all the time. The notion that there's some sort of moral obligation to support it. You know, they aren't covered enough. They're not featured enough. They're not supported enough. As if there is some kind of responsibility for you to use your limited re- your limited uh, leisure time and your limited money for entertainment on something that you really don't care about uh, that much, but you have an obligation to support. You don't have an obligation to support. They want what you're saying is that their new marketing campaign is to try to create this sense 
with the actual uh, uh, consumer uh, of World Cup soccer that they have this obligation, but you don't have the obligation. It's it's a free country. Yes. We, we can make our own choices. And my choice, I can tell you right now, I will not watch the NWSL. Is that what it is? Yes, very good. I, I will not watch one second of the NWSL and won't attend a game. I didn't even know that they had a team in Washington. I would watch the PBA, that's the Pro Bowlers Association, I would go to one of those events before I'd go to a women's soccer game. Again, now, for me... Bowling used to be great on television. Yes, yes it was. What I, happened to bowling on television with Chris Schenkel? I think it's still on TV. Is it? Yeah. Not with Chris Schenkel anymore. No, no it's not. not he with, passed away, didn't he? Still, yeah. still a Sunday staple on ESPN. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, during football wow. season, I think, in particular. Uh, because, I mean... You count, know something you didn't know about me? What? I was a good bowler. Really? When I was young, I was a very good bowler. Yeah. I bowled from, I don't know, age... My mother was into bowling. Somehow she got me at seven years old, eight years old, into a bowling league. And I bowled competitively until I was, until I was like 14. And then sort of basketball took over on, on weekends. But... Some of the guys that I bowled with, we had a team. There were four of us that had a team, the same team for about five years. Yeah. We bowled all over the state. Really? Yeah. What was your average? Do you remember? Uh, I, I think the best uh, average I ever had was about 170, somewhere around there. That's, that's pretty I ro- good. My best game is a 278. I rolled wow. a 278 once. But I'll tell you a quick funny story. About five years ago... I hadn't bowled in forever. The kids, when they were younger, we'd take them duck pin bowling. Yeah. Um, so a friend of mine called me up and he said, hey, we're, we're going to go up to these lanes up on West Bart Avenue, you know, the bowling alley up there in Bethesda. Some of you know what it is, by the way, outrageously overpriced. Um, we walked in there and you know, he picked up a ball off the rack. And I think it was like, you know, the first game I rolled like a 122 or something. It had been forever. Yeah. Second was like a 141. And then the third game, I rolled a 207. <laughs> <laughs> and and the buddy of mine was like, he, he called, and he had bowled too. And he it was him and a couple of other guys. He's like, we'll do it, we'll drink beer, we'll whatever, hang out. And um, he hadn't bowled in a long time either, and he rolled like a 240. Wow. Yeah. But uh, that's something you didn't know about me. Maybe, I just maybe, wanted to share that with maybe you. Maybe there should be a Kevin Sheen podcast bowling team. Tommy, I had, when my... I don't know how many houses ago it was, but I had a big box with a lot of stuff in it, you know, stuff from when I was a kid, trophies, trophies. and different things. And I had the most trophies I had by far. I had a lot of basketball related trophies, right? but were bowling trophies. Trophies were a big thing in bowling. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But, the, uh, but that was, I, I think I took everything and dumped it. This may have been two, uh, one house ago or two houses ago. I just took it all. There were there were lots of different things in there. Lots of things from when I worked in TV when I was when I, right out of Maryland when I worked it for for Buck and Ernie and, and that group at Channel Five. Um, I had a lot of Super Bowl stuff because I went to a bunch of Super Bowls right. and because the Redskins were in some of those Super Bowls. And I don't think I have any of that shit left. I think I threw it all out. All of it. The only thing I kept is I kept a lot of old newspapers, which I collected for a, a period of time, like famous newspaper. Yeah, I used to do that too. You know, Man Walks on Moon. I had the front well, page I of the Daily I, News. I didn't. Man I, walks I on didn't moon. have that one, but no. I had. I had like you know the day Reagan was shot and yeah. and the Redskins Super Bowls and some of that stuff. Anyway, continue. I don't feel the obligation 
to attend or watch a women's soccer game. I can't imagine a situation in which I would. I think it would be different if I had girls. I have three boys. Of course it would be if different. If I had young girls, I would probably go out of my way to try to go to a game yes. and take them to a game. Yes, of course it would be different. But but I mean, for most people, there's got to be a reason other than simply the entertainment value. Right. I mean, look, we don't even go watch men's soccer in this country, right. really. I mean, look, I mean, the the uh, major, major uh, the MSL has been around for ML, MLS, M- MLS yeah. has been around for 23 years and they do OK. But me, most people uh, internationally, it's considered a second rate league. Right. You know, so I mean, there's just there's not that much interest in soccer, period, let alone women's soccer. And does this extend to all women's sports? Should we support the WNBA as well? Should we be going to Mystics games? Is, do we have an obligation to do that? No, we don't have. And ha, have By the way, I checked on this. The WNBA, which also started in 1996, yeah. attendance was down last year, and it's declined since 2010. This country, let's let's just say, say it that, uh, as we've said it for many, many years. It's never going to be a soccer-viewing hotbed. Never. Uh, the sports we have are better. Viewing sports, the sports that we love, football, basketball, baseball, playoff hockey. It's better than watching a soccer game, especially the MLS. Now, I have been told by friends of mine, including my brother, who's been to a number of Premier League finals. He's like, you need to come over with me one of these years and go to this thing. It is an incredible well, when they event to go to over there, when but they have the friendlies that come over here and play, I've never, I've never been to any of those. They, they draw, they sell out. But a lot of times, it's the people from the other countries yeah. that are here. Yeah. It's it's a very international crowd. But the to your point, the MLS is so behind the Premier League, the the La Liga, the Champions League, all of the different leagues over in Europe. It's it's a, it's an inferior product. Yeah. So. So I mean, this is this is such a ridiculous notion that they're trying to shame people who probably you know who t- watch the World Cup, women's World Cup, uh, probably oh, for a lot of them. I'll bet it's the last time they watch soccer since the since the, the until, men played until the, in the next World, World Cup. Cup. Right. That yeah. that that's what it is. That's all it is. And to, you know, to like to shame them that they've got some kind of moral responsibility is ridiculous. Your product is going to grow or not grow based on interest. Listen, there's certain sports where you watch the main event. Soccer, you watch the main event, and not everybody watches it. In fact, I mean, the ratings—it's not like they—they're comparable with the NFL, right? Um, but the, people will watch an event. Look, tennis is on right now at Wimbledon. I mean, tennis used to be super popular in this country, but even when it was, it wasn't because people were watching the event in Amsterdam in the middle of, of March. They, they watch the, the majors. They watch Wimbledon and the U.S. Open and occasionally the French Open. And really the Australian Open is on too late at night and too early in the morning and right. doesn't really draw an audience. But Wimbledon, and I used to be a big tennis guy, not as much anymore, but... I want to watch. I'll watch Serena play, but I'm not going to watch Serena play when she comes to you know Richmond. If that's the closest, I don't even know where the do they have an event at 16th and Kennedy anymore? Well, yeah, they do, yeah, but they, they never draw the top players. No, but you got to remember, there's a WTA, there's a World Team Tennis 
yes, uh, they're, they're, yes. team in D.C. that draws pretty well. Right. They draw about 3,000 fans What's a game. his face owns it? Uh, Mark Ein. Mark Ein, the guy yeah. from BCC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... All right, whatever. Are we done with this subject? So you're going to write about how they, they're trying to shame you into watching women's soccer. Yes. And you know what people are going to say? They can try all they want. I'm not biting. <laughs> because unless you have young girls that are really into soccer, you're probably not going to watch women's soccer until the next World Cup no. in 2023. You're probably Where is not. the next World Cup? Uh, I don't know. Is it for the women? I mean, yeah, I know the men's. The men's is in Qatar. Qatar, I believe it's pronounced. Um, And when is that? Is that's not next year, right? That's twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Women's World Cup future sites. (laughs) I'm just curious if it's coming to the U.S. anytime soon, because that would be huge for it. Uh, they haven't announced uh, the location for the They haven't announced. Yes. yes, they are. Wow. Don't they usually announce well before, you know, I don't it's think sort all, of an Olympics thing? I don't think all the bribes are in. All the bribes are yeah, in? I don't think all the bribes have been counted yet. All right. Uh, one last note on this. 88% of the population in the Netherlands watched the Women's World Cup final. 88% of the available people to watch the final. So, Aaron, was it the conversation that you and I had, or did Tommy and I have this conversation about how popular or or lack thereof of popularity in 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 Europe and in, in these other countries? Is it as popular as men's soccer? Eighty eight percent of the country watching the women's final in in uh, in the Netherlands is a yeah. pretty hefty number. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes it is. Um, so it was pretty popular there. Uh, There's some breaking <clears throat> news, not sports news though. What? But I figured we might want to chime in on it. Ross Perot is dead. Wow. Passed away at the age of 89. I'm sure there's a generation that doesn't know who Ross Perot was. 1992, he cost, he really did, he cost yes. George Bush. He got, he got Bill Clinton elected. Re-election and got Bill Clinton elected. Yeah, absolutely. Because he got because 13% he w- of the vote, I believe it was, I, in 92. At least that much for as an independent candidate who probably attracted much more Republican voters than Democratic voters. Oh, there's no doubt that he did. Yeah. I, I thought it, I'm, I'm pulling up the numbers just to see exactly what it was, what percentage uh, Perot got. Um, he got 18.9% of the vote. That's astronomical popul- for an independent incredible, candidate. Incredible. I mean, before that, <clears throat> the only one I can remember that even made any noise was John Anderson in, in 1980. 1980. I think he only got 6%. He lived right around the corner from me. Did he really? And during that 1980 election, there were Secret Service all over the neighborhood. He <laughs> lived right around the corner from me. And in the um, he, he got very little of the vote. And then uh, pro- probably prior to that, the independent candidate that may have gotten some of the vote would have been the Alabama governor. Who's George the, Wallace. George Wallace yes. in the 72 was it the 68 election or the 72 election? 72 election, I think. 70, it was there the, 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 McGovern, election the McGovern-Nixon election. Where, where he, he got <clears throat> shot. Oh, that's right here in right, Maryland. Right, College Park. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so 68 election, he probably got more of it. Ross Perot got 18.9% of the vote in 92. Clinton won that election with 43, yeah, 43% 42, of the yeah. vote. I remember. I thought it was 42%. Yeah. Um, George Wallace... I just want to see this. The 1972 election was the Nixon landslide over McGovern. Right. Was McGovern North Dakota or South Dakota, Tommy? Real quickly. Wasn't Sergeant Shriver his running, ba- running mate? Yes. It, um, it, it had been Thomas Eagleton. Yeah, exactly. But that didn't work out. 
uh, South Dakota. Okay. And so uh, he was not. Wallace must have been in the 68 election. Yeah. Well, I'll bet you he ran in 72, too. But then, like I said, he he got shot by – who shot him? Uh, it's the guy that had the dark glasses on. Um, it was a rally in Columbia. It wasn't College no, Park. I think it was College Park. Uh, Wallace, by the way, got 13.5% of the vote in 68. Yeah. Nixon got 43.4% of the vote. Humphrey got 42.7% of the vote. It was uh, Arthur Bremer. Uh, Arthur Bremer. Yeah. Um, but it, I, it was not College Park, I don't believe. I think it was Columbia. Well, because he would know. He was prosecuted in PG County, Arthur Bremer was, so it couldn't be Columbia. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Hold on. Laurel. Laurel. It okay. was Laurel. He okay. shot shot five times by Arthur Bremer while campaigning <clears throat> at the Laurel Shopping Center in Laurel, Maryland. At a time when he his ratings in the polls were as high as they had been in seventy two. Wow. Um yeah. It, didn't he have dark glasses on when he shot him? I don't know. I don't remember. Arthur Bremer? I don't remember. So that I just wanted to mention that Ross Perot, if you lived during that time. He was uh, he was an interesting political figure. Had an impact. Yeah, he did. Um, how old was he again? I'm sorry. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. No, eighty nine. Oh, yeah, eighty nine. I was gonna say, what a hell of a run. Eighty yeah. nine's a good run. Yeah. Um, ninety nine would have been a hell of a run. Um, all right. I, I wanted to get to something um, that I've had here for a little while, but I took some days off last week, and I wanted to save it for when you were here. Um, and that is this story that was on ESPN.com last week, ranking the 2019 rosters for all 32 NFL teams. And what they did in this particular exercise, it was a pro football focus exercise, which um, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. I think that there's a lot missing from a lot of these, you know, the, these independent, you know, evaluating services of, of NFL teams. I just think the NFL is hard to evaluate when you have no idea what a player's responsibility is on a given team, among many other reasons. Well, but anyway, again, it's the, it's, <clears throat> it's the difference between information and knowledge. Right. This is your, your, uh, your but it's, line. But it's true. Yes, it it's is true. It's exactly what it so, is. You don't have that knowledge. So what they did is they ranked the rosters by evaluating all of the projected starters for the 32 NFL teams in 2019. And they gave Gave, based on the pro football focus grade, they took the grade, which was either an elite grade, which was 90 plus, a good to high quality grade, which was between 80 and 89.9, an average grade, which was between 70 and 79.9, or below average, which was essentially anything less than 70. And they assigned the pro football focus grade to that player. And then, you know, they put it all together and ranked the teams based on the rosters. So anyway, the Patriots ended up being the number one ranked roster in the NFL. And I'll save you the suspense. The Redskins roster was ranked 23rd overall among the 32 teams in the NFL. But there was something interesting about the Redskins roster. Their roster, based on Pro Football Focus's grades, was one of only two rosters in the entire league out of 32 teams that did not have one elite player or one good to high quality player. Every single one of their players on in their projected starting lineup was average to below average. Really? The only other team that had that in the entirety of the league, even the worst roster in the league, which was 
you know, pr- projected to be the Arizona Cardinals. Patrick Peterson was a good, you know, high quality player. The Raiders, even with Antonio Brown, because Antonio Brown's ranking last year just missed the level of good to high quality. Um, they didn't have a, an elite player or a good high quality player either. Again, those first two categories are elite. And then the second category is good slash high quality. Then the third uh, category is average, and then it's below average. Every single projected Redskins starter is average or below average. Again, one of only two teams in the league without an elite player or without a good player. Um, even players that I would have thought would have been good players. Uh, there, w- there isn't one player on their project in their projected starting lineup that I would have thought would have gotten the elite no. designation. But I would have thought a guy like Matt Ioannidis would have gotten good. Matt Ioannidis is actually below average based on his really? pro football focus ranking, you know, or projected ranking. I'm stunned by that. John Allen was closer to below average than good. Um, he was in the average range. Ryan Kerrigan and Adrian Peterson are the two highest-ranked Redskins starters, but they're dead set right in the middle of the average category. Um, if you're wondering about Trent Williams, let's hope he starts. Uh, he his performance for the Redskins, yeah, for the Redskins. He's considered, you know, based on 2018 and the you know the evaluation of Pro Football Focus in 2018. Um, he he is. Uh, an average player. I'm not, I, look. I don't agree with all these rankings. I'm just sharing this with you. This is one, you know. This is one evaluation of rosters. If you had told me without saying what each individual player was, the Redskins had the 23rd ranked roster out of the 32 teams. I would have said, yeah, that seems about right to Absolutely. me. Absolutely, seems about right. I it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if it were lower in some evaluations. But the way they did it, taking each of the projected starters and ranking them. Landon Collins is an average starter. This is what did we? Um, it was Pete Prisco's list of the top 100 players, right, Aaron? That I that I went through. I and think so. Wasn't one Redskin and not even one Redskin mentioned in the others receiving votes? And there were 10 safeties. Wasn't it 10 or 11 safeties ranked ahead of Landon Collins? Landon Collins does not uh, tend to evaluate well. Um, with the pro football focuses of of the world, for whatever reason, Dan Snyder really likes him. He really liked him, yeah, and paid him a lot. You know what, Tommy? I like Landon Collins. I think Landon Collins was a really good player. I think he's going to be a really good player. Brandon Sheriff obviously was injured last year. He's he's viewed as an average is player. Sti- is he still with the Redskins? He's still with the Redskins. One more year, anyway. Oh, okay. they could certainly franchise him. Okay, I, I just wondered if he was st- if, they, if they had reached any kind of agreement. Have you heard anything? No, no, I haven't heard anything. It's, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, since you know, I guess they're probably consumed with trying to keep Trent Williams happy. Uh, that they're not too concerned about Brandon Sheriff. Uh, I've just heard that the initial offer was borderline insulting. Really? That it was low. You know, typical Bruce stuff. Yeah. Um, to the point where I mean, Sheriff, I'm sure would invite. A you know a franchise deal next year or unrestricted free agency. I hope they get him signed. It would be stupid not to. He's actually a really good player. Yes, he is. Um, and one of what could be this time next year if the roster got evaluated, he could be one of the two or three players that are good to potentially even elite. He has elite potential as a starting guard in the NFL. But 
the Redskins roster ranked 23rd overall. I mean, the the, the teams ranked below them are uh, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Tampa, uh, the Giants roster is ranked below them, although Saquon Barkley is a high-rated player. Um, The Raiders, the Bills. By the way, I think the Bills could be decent this year, um, especially on defense. The Dolphins, uh, the Jets, and then the Cardinals bring up the rear with the 32nd-ranked roster, according to Pro Football Focus. I mean, all this makes sense, doesn't it? Well, if except I, for Landon Collins not if, being elite, I with, mean, is without, that what you have a problem with? with? Without grading, you know, the way Pro Football Focus grades play by play and however it is they grade each position. If you asked me, do the Redskins have any elite players? I would say, no. Right now, they do not have an elite player. Trent Williams, Jordan Reed, John Allen are all potential elite players. Um, you know, but they're not there. To me, Ryan Kerrigan's not an elite player. But if you said how many good to high quality players do they have, I would say John Allen's a good to high quality player. Deron Payne's a good high a good player. Matt Ioannidis is a good player. I would certainly project that Montez Sweat is going to be a good yeah, player, but you can't, but do, you can't that. do that. Um, Landon, Landon Collins. Collins would be a good to, to high quality player. Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff. Yeah, and you're it, right. And by the way, Adrian Peterson. I don't know if you can put Adrian Peterson. I guess based on 2018, you could. Yeah. Yeah, you could. I mean, Adrian Peterson was their best offensive player oh, I know. last year. I know. You're right. Um, and and that would that would probably be the list. So I, I would have, you know, I'd have more but, players. But um, that... I mean, but but the 23rd overall ranking seems to make sense. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you what. And some... I know that the Giants are being viewed. Look, the 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 Giants have a game breaking elite running back. I still think Eli can play. I know I'm in the minority there, but who knows? It knows it might be Daniel Jones because apparently he is imp- he's impressed so far. They really helped their offensive line in the off season. Um, they still have. A couple of weapons. First of all, they've got Saquon Barkley as a weapon. They added Golden Tate as a weapon. I think Evan Ingram is more of a of a wide receiver than he is a tight end, Jordan Reed style. But he, I think, can play. I think Sterling Shepard can play. Defensively is where they got rid of a lot of their talent. I, I don't. They really cleared a lot of their talent defensively, but they added Jabril Peppers, who I think is going to be a good player. I still think Janoris Jenkins is a good player. Uh, you know. I don't know that the Giants roster personally is that much worse than the Redskins roster. Neither do I. I think the I, Cowboy and Eagle rosters are better. Yeah, def- they are definitely better. I mean, right now the Giants are seen by realistic Redskins fans as the cushion that will keep the Redskins from being at the bottom of the NO, uh, you know, of the NFC East. Do you feel that way? I'd have to, you know, I think it's I think it's a coin toss. I think the Giants roster is going to be. I think the Giants are going to be better than what people give them credit for. Uh, I feel that way too. But I felt that way last year, and I was dead wrong about them. I, yeah. I thought last year the Ravens and the Giants were my two teams before the season started that I said they're going to make big turnarounds. The Ravens did, the Giants didn't. Um, I'm still not sure about Pat Shermer either. I'm, I don't yeah. know what to make of him in that staff, but. When you have Saquon Barkley on your team, and I mean, you got a chance 
Yeah, to, I mean, remember they, him running all over their offensive line, running all over FedEx Field last year oh. in the second game that they played, forty to nothing early in the third quarter. Yeah, um, but anyway, I, I just it's it's you know it's it's that it's the season of coming up with content and one of the and I and I read this piece and I was surprised that the Redskins didn't have players even with Pro Football Focus that weren't that they didn't have one player that evaluated out as better than an average player. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with the evaluation. I do think when Trent Williams is healthy and playing, he's not an average player. He's better than an average yes, player. Yes, I agree. I think John Allen is better than an average player. I think Landon Collins is better than an average player. Um, I think Brandon Sheriff is better than an average player. Well, this is just you know that that continuous national media bias against the Redskins because everyone's <laughs> out to get the Redskins. You know that that's this is all part of a part of the plan. To to you know, it, it, trying to keep them back. This is what you know, holding back the greatness of the Washington Redskins. So, th- th- this conversation sort of coming to an end here leads to this because we're less than a month away from training camp. We're actually, I think, exactly a month away from the first preseason game. I think that's right. Um, the Redskins open up with Cleveland on the ro- road on August eighth. So it was a month ago yesterday. So we're less than a month away from the first preseason game. It's going to be here before we yeah. know it. And this Trent Williams thing has to get resolved. He can't come in. I mean, I'm sure most of you would say, yeah, he could come in, you know, for the fourth pre right before the third preseason game, play a couple series, be fine, and be ready to go for the opener against Philadelphia. They have to know that that's going to happen before because they 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 will have potentially some leverage in dealing him at some point if a contender loses a starting tackle yes in preseason which probably will happen a a perceived contender is going to lose a starting offensive lineman to injury more likely than not during the preseason and the redskins might be able to really take advantage of that that would be my preference versus giving him a long term deal my actual first preference would be come in and play out your contract trent just play out your contract uh, although if they were able to get a haul and i'm talking about a first round pick or say a package of a second third and fifth i would think about doing it the problem is they don't have anybody that can play that position right now they don't have anybody that can step in and play left tackle. No. Because it's not Eric Flowers. No. You know, here's the other thing about as a clock ticking situation. Uh, when do the Redskins, and I'm not saying Jay Gruden here because I don't think it's Jay Gruden. When do the Redskins have to make their call on who's the starting quarterback? At what point? I would think that that call has to come prior to that third preseason game. I think so, too. I mean, it, it doesn't always, though, in the NFL. It's some it, They may walk it right up to the opener. But whoever but, starts... But, but, but when you're dealing with a rookie in, 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 in this competition, you know, like Dwayne Haskins, the earlier you make the decision, the more work he'll have as the number one. I mean, I mean basically... As it stands now, unless they run it a different way, you're going to have three quarterbacks probably taking equal equal work with the first team in training camp. And that's not good. That's not good for a rookie. This is what Cooley was on with me on Friday, or last Wednesday, I think it was. And he talked about the reps, which is what you're referring yeah. to. 
And I, I asked a question. I said, why can't you just add reps so everybody gets more reps? He said, we can't sit there for three and a half hours and practice. And, and I'm like, I'm not talking about three and a half hours. I'm talking about, you know, if, if you've seen some of these, you know, practices when they go 11 on 11, and that's considered, you know, a rep, a, a starting quarterback rep, sometimes they'll go 21 plays. Why not go 31 plays and let Dwayne Haskins get 10 reps? If he wasn't going to get enough of the 21, why not just run 10 more plays? And he's like, well, I don't know what the answer is, but you know, you can't be a long practice and there might be some, some collective bargaining agreement issues. There are with respect to the numbers of practices and maybe even the length of time, but how hard is it to add a couple of extra reps for the quarterback? I'll put that to, to, yeah, to but, the but, side for okay, a moment. I know, because, because, but what I want, you're doing there is then you're, you're punishing the other teammates. Uh, no, you're not. You're, it, you're making your team better. I mean, what, what you're doing, though, other teammates have to go out there and work. Hey, Tommy, can you stay five minutes after we record the show here just to come up with some ideas for Thursday's show? No. Is that a problem? No, that's a big hey, problem really? for me. I'm not you'll asking speak, them to work another shift. You'll have to speak to my agent. I'm not asking him to work another shift. I'm saying give Haskins an extra five reps. Six, seven reps. It can't reps. be that simple. I don't know. They always talk about we don't have enough reps to go on, right? I mean, you, you can't have three quarterbacks. You don't have enough reps for the, the you know for your starter then. Well, just add some reps. Well, let, you know I, what? I, I'm sure let, there's a, a a better answer than the one Cooley gave me or the one that you're trying to give me. Let's go down, but, let's go down the training camp and, and ask Jay Gruden. But uh, uh, you know what? The next time I am with Jay Gruden, either on the air for whatever reason, which won't happen on the podcast, I don't think, or off the air. I'm going to ask him about that. I'm going to say, why is there is there a limit from the CBA or it, 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 the players' union about how many reps you can take in practice? Because all I hear about is the divvying up of reps becomes difficult when you have three quarters. I understand that you don't want to be there for an extra hour, but you got a rookie quarterback and you have a first-year quarterback. You got two quarterbacks yeah, trying so to learn learning your system. the system for the first time. So why can't you just and by the way, wouldn't it be better for the other players? You say it's punishing the other players. I would say it's going to give the other players more of an opportunity because they're going to have more practice time with the eventual starter. But anyway, back to your original thing. I think that you get to that third that third preseason game which is always sort of the dress rehearsal and it's it's even become less so now. But whatever, let's just call the third preseason game, which, by the way, for the Redskins is at Atlanta on August 22nd. Um, I would like to see the starter against Philadelphia go through a, a true dress rehearsal game, especially if it's Keenum or Haskins. You know, if it's Colt, if Colt emerges as a starter, I'd like him to get the reps too. But Colt really knows what's going on. These right. guys, this is the only opportunity in the preseason to play something that resembles a real game. You yeah. don't get that in the first two or the last one, and you barely even get it in the third one. Um, but it's possible that they'll, you know, here comes Keenum for the two, the first two series, then Haskins gets two, then Keenum gets two, then Haskins gets two. It's halftime, and Colt finishes up, and we go right up until September 8th, is it, I think, against Philadelphia? And even the week of, we don't know who the starter is. What if what if Jay handled it that way? It's a game-time decision. Well, again, if, if Jay's making the decision. I know. <sighs> <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, let's get on the on the right page here. Okay. Talk about the group decision that they're going to make, like Doug Williams said. 
By the way, one other quick thing before, well, we've already talked about the group decision. Yes. But I was just thinking that because they don't open up at home, and week two is a home game against the Cowboys, and I've talked about the benefit that the Redskins got from the league, the real favor they got from the league when it comes to their schedule. In terms of turnstiles. In terms of tickets sold for their first three home games, Cowboys, Bears, Patriots. You're not going to have a Colts situation from a year ago. They're playing the Cowboys. There are going to be a tremendous number of Dallas Cowboys in the crowd. It's not what I would want to see as a fan, but for Snyder, he does not want to see a half-empty stadium. And if it's filled because Dallas fans paid for the tickets and showed up, you know, he's probably not going to be that unhappy, as unhappy as he was last year, because that was the beginning of the end for old Brian LaFamina. Yes, it was. Um, but the uh, the road, oh, the, the opening up on the road and having Dallas as the home opener, you really don't have to market for ticket sales early in the season. You can figure it out. When, you th- when we've talked about, well, Snyder, you know, is going to make the call, and he's going to certainly be involved in the call, and might even make the call. But there's not going to be a desperation, a ticket-selling desperation early in the season. See, I think I think, would... I think you're overestimating the, the the crowd that will show up. Oh, the Cowboy game will be sold out. I, I don't think so. I, I guarantee it won't be. Gentlemen's bet right now. Lunch. Okay. Lunch. Okay. Right now. All right. I mean, yeah, you yeah. already owe me a bunch of lunches and it, dinners. It won't be. Um but I bet you the Dallas game is sold out. No. And you can't believe the Redskins. I know you can't. Well, you, you can't. You have, to use, you have to use your eyes. Yeah. Well, if you, if you tell me on Monday, September 16th, I saw some empty seats, I, that, that may be true. I think the game's going to sell out. I okay. think that there won't be tickets available when we get to you know the Saturday or Sunday of the game. I think there'll be tickets available. I don't think so for the Cowboys. You know, that today's NFL... There'll be tickets available. People, the Cowboy fans are excited about this upcoming season. That's good. And there will you know be enough of them that will You know pay. who's even more excited about the upcoming season? Bear fans. A lot of people like the Bears to there make a deep run. There won't be enough of them to pay. Just won't be. All right. Uh, and, uh, so, and the Redskins so are terrible. Sellout no sellout? Are, are terrible at selling tickets. Sellout or Unless, you know, And I tell you what. What? We're not counting... Uh, ex Redskins standing at the Metro giving away free tickets either. <laughs> I don't know if Chris will do that anymore. Um, I, th- he, I, I think he had a bit of a problem with it last year. I would think um, so. But that's how desperate they were. Yes. They, they were sending you know former Redskins out well, down on Capitol it, Hill, it didn't walking get, around on the mall, handing out free tickets. It didn't get better in a year. Yeah, but the, the Dallas game this year is going okay. to be a, You know what? The Dallas game last year was sold out. A- a- or close to sold out, wasn't it? A lot of Cowboy fans. That was the one game where there was a true, you know, crowd atmosphere. I'm not saying home field, you know, atmosphere. Look up what the Cowboy game was last year. I don't think it sold out last year, but I think it was their biggest crowd last year. Um, anyway, my point, overall point is, is that there may be less desperation, marketing desperation from, you know, the ticket office and the owner. I think there's more marketing desperation. Because they think they have something okay. to market now. They think they've got a young star to market. Well, what I'm saying is it may make more sense to start marketing him when the 49ers come to town on Oh, October I agree. 20th. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm the one who said right from the start, if you like, if you want, if you like this kid, you don't start him until after the Patriots leave town. 
What, what do you got? Uh, announced attendance of Cowboys Redskins was sixty six thousand. Okay, so what what is that now? Seven thousand short of a sellout. Somewhere around there. I don't even know what capacity. It's about is nine thousand short. Is it seventy five? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um. God, what a difference! You know, a couple decades yeah. make. Yeah. In terms of the importance of a sports ticket in this town, that was the one that was important. Yeah. That was the difficult. But one again, that, I, like I, I, I keep preaching. Before. That's an industry problem. I know. I mean, it's know. it's worse for the Redskins because they're bad, but it's it's an NFL problem and it's an industry problem. Period with spectator sports. Right. Uh, you know, it still lists on the FedEx Field Wikipedia page capacity to be to be eighty two thousand, but we know that's not we, true. Yeah, that's not true. By that, the way, that's old. Talk about a hard ticket. Uh, as I take a hard turn left here. Do you know what tickets were going for last night in Cleveland for the home run derby? I don't. Over four hundred dollars. Wow. On the street. So I watched the highlights. I did not watch it live. Oh, you missed it. I know. I it saw. Was, the, was, I saw the Vlad. Vlad it was Jr. really good. Uh, Aaron, what, am I exaggerating? I'm someone who, as of four or five years ago, I was completely out on the home run derby, even as a baseball guy. But it, the past two years have been so compelling. Yeah. Just really, it, really compelling television. The way you know they made some changes in terms of. You know, a, t- a clock instead of swings, which has made all the difference. And in fact, you know, what's interesting, uh, you know, yesterday were all their, were their young stars. Vlad Guerrero Jr. was just must watch. He was so fun to watch. He didn't even win. Pete Alonso. I know. The kid. He had 91 home runs. I, yeah. I saw the the swing-offs or yeah. whatever they call them um, that he had with uh, Jock Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, was, that was amazing and compelling. And it was a great night for baseball because it featured their young stars. I mean, Pete Alonso and Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, I, I, Vlad Guerrero was a last-minute replacement for Christian Yelich, I think, because he wasn't even supposed to compete in, in this. I mean, he only has eight home runs, major league home runs, period, because he's a rookie. You know, what would have been fun, Aaron? I wonder how many, how many uh, it would have been fun to have seen Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Vlad Sr., Oh, it would have been great. I mean, because I'm betting that Vlad Sr. Vlad Sr. tweeted out, OMG, (laughs) about his son. I'm I'm betting he can still drive him out there. I'm thinking about going up to Camden Yards next time Toronto's in town just to watch batting practice, pretty much drink and watch batting practice. Yes, so it was was a great event. And you're right, for the second year in a row, last year we saw in Washington what what a great event it was for, uh, for Bryce Harper. And I'm sure Bryce Harper last night and maybe tonight is probably watching video of that home run derby since he's not even at the all-star game nope. this year wasn't even selected by the players or the fans yet there's posters promoting the all-star game with him with on his it. picture in it all over <clears throat> that, cleveland that's hysterical <laughs> um do you have a problem with anthony rondone not going you know yes and no i mean i th- i think uh i th- Again, this is very irresponsible of me, but that's never stopped me before. It's possible Anthony Rendon may have an anxiety problem. It's really possible. And, and, and I'm not joking. I mean, you know, I mean, I know people who have serious anxiety problems being around crowds of people. Uh, he's, it took him a long time to get comfortable here with the Washington media. Uh, and the All-Star game is, is, if if you ha- if you are anxious around people like that, it's your worst nightmare, in terms of, of the attention that you get. I don't know if he has that. I have no I have no information that would say he has that. 
but I'm, I'm reluctant to hammer him uh, for not showing up because I think that may be a possibility. But it is a bad look for the Washington Nationals to have zero players on the field tonight when the game starts. I mean, Max Scherzer, look, Scherzer gets a pass. I, I agree. He, he can do whatever he wants. And he's know? there. Yeah, and he is there. And he'll be introduced at the beginning of the game. Uh, but uh, but it's just a bad look. I mean, the players complain that baseball doesn't market them well enough. And then you have arguably one of the biggest marketing tools that baseball has, and then you don't show up. That's not a good look. It is interesting about Rendon, what you said. I'm not, I'm not going to discount it because I think that's an issue with – a, a lot of people sometimes that that will bail on on things. I, I it's just interesting that you know when he is the perception's been that he's been screwed by not being named an All Star. That potentially he was happy with what that result was. Yeah, in the moment that he wasn't named an All Star in some of those years where it seemed obvious he should have been. Um, I would just wonder whether or not, if you are right, and I know you're reach, you, you know, you're just throwing something. And out again, there, which, make, let me make it clear: you don't know anything. I don't know anything right. about this. I know lots of other stuff. Right. Let's so, make that clear too. Let, I, I want to hear you say that. You know a lot of other stuff. Okay. A lot of a lot of things that you say, you are absolutely not only sure about. You're you're right about, <laughs> and there are a lot of things that you're sure about that you're actually wrong about too. There's but, not a lot. There's a few uh, once uh, in a while. A couple or several. Um, yeah. but the. I wonder if this is true about him, that he's very reluctant when it comes to being around people and being uncomfortable in different environments. I wonder if that plays into him more likely than not wanting to stay here where he is comfortable rather than starting in a new place. You would think so. I mean, you know, he is a guy who likes the comfort and routine. And we know that for a fact. Uh, he doesn't like change, but uh, to the point where... Uh, you know, he would uh, cost himself money, a lot of money. I don't know if it would go that far. You know, the uh, Masson, Mark Zuckerman reported that Scott Boris was in town right before the All-Star break and met with the Lerner family. Uh, and uh, the report was there were discussions about a contract extension. Now, uh, at the All-Star game on Monday at the All-Star workout, Boris spoke to Todd Byers from by it, Todd Dibus from NBC Sports Washington, and sort of said that wasn't the case. He was just catching up with some of his clients. Well, he has people who work for him who take care of his clients in the different cities. Right. So I don't, I'm not buying Boris's explanation. He's coming to Washington and hanging out with the learners. They're talking about Anthony Rendon. I don't know how those talks went. Is Anthony Rendon better than Bryce Harper? You'd have to say... Based on his 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 numbers overall over the course of a career, especially the past couple years, I think he, I think you'd have to make that case, and that a third baseman is more valuable than than a a, a right fielder, uh, a very good third baseman. I think you could make that case. Now again, Anthony Rendon is about four years older than Bryce Harper. Right. You know we always need to keep that in mind. Anthony Rendon came out of college. Bryce Harper basically came out of junior college and he skipped two years of high school before he did that. Uh, this is why I don't think the learners can afford to let let Anthony Rendon walk because I think a lot of Nationals fans had come to live with the Bryce Harper departure 
based on the idea that, that well, they would resign they'll Rendon. resign yeah. Rendon. And I'll be I'll be okay if Bryce Harper leaves as long as they sign Anthony Rendon. They cannot let Rendon walk. I don't think they can. They can't. It would be horrible business. I mean, they, I think you could argue, you know, that it, it was horrible business to not figure out a way to keep Bryce Harper. But to to lose your two best or perceived best players in back-to-back seasons would make the learners look cheap. Oh, and it would send a signal that you can't keep your star players. Right. You know, it, it would be it would, I, what I don't know is how how uh how much the learners are affected by public perception. You know, they they're a strange group. It, it's a family unit that make the decisions within the family and sometimes they've made decisions that seem tone deaf about public perception, i.e. firing Dusty Baker. Right. Uh, on the other hand, they had a chance to trade Bryce Harper at the trading deadline last year for a very good package of prospects from the Houston Astros. Mike Rizzo had the deal done. All he needed was to pick up the phone to, to give the Astros the okay, and the learners said no. And the learners said no because they didn't want the backlash from fans about trading Bryce Harper. They didn't want to be the owners to have done that. Right. So that in some cases, they, they are very aware of how the public will react. In other cases, they just seem tone deaf. So they're unpredictable. Have to sign Anthony Rendon. Um, I agree. By the way, just it, it, it will. I want to get to Window Nation here in a moment and then to the NBA because you've not had a chance to weigh in. And there's been more that's happened even from yesterday's show. And if you missed Mike Wilbon on with me, I don't know how long it went, but I enjoyed every minute of it. And many of you said the same. So if you missed it, you know, Wilbon had a lot of contact with a lot of the key people during the last four or five days um, and, uh, and had a lot of really good information. But just the last thought on the Nationals, um, once we get through this All-Star break, is boy, did they take advantage of that schedule, Tommy, going into the All-Star break. Yes, they did. This is a team that is right back in it for everything. They're the number one wildcard team right now. They're yeah. six back of the of the Braves. They're going to have some big series here coming up in August and September, more likely than not. And obviously getting healthy helped and uh, you know, from an offensive standpoint. But their starting pitching has been incredible. Yeah, which is what you need. Um, when you're trying to catch up, and Dave Martinez said this to me a couple weeks ago, you can't afford to have three or four game losing streaks. You can't fall into that pattern. When you have three starters like Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, you should have a built-in protection that you won't fall into a three or four game losing streak. That at some point one of those starters is going to one of those three starters is going to be the stopper to to stop the fall, which is what you really need. To, to play catch up and I think they still have to play catch up with the Braves and uh, the the key moment could be the trading deadline the July 31st trading deadline because not only what the Nationals will do and I, I've, I've sources have told me that uh, Mike Rizzo has had meetings with the learners about a strategy for going out and getting players getting pitching getting yeah. bullpen help yeah and, and or, or any kind yeah priority bullpen help obviously but uh other teams are going to be doing that too. Other to every all the contenders need bullpen help. There's going to be a lot of competition. The Nats have a financial constraint of some sorts, in that they're only 13 million dollars away from the luxury tax threshold, and the learners have made it clear they don't like paying a, a penalty for spending money. You know they're used to making other people pay penalties for spending money, and they don't like to do that. Whereas the Phillies 
have a $40 million cushion and the Braves have a $50 million cushion. Both of those teams are going to be very aggressive, I think, at the trading deadline. Uh, so it, it's still a tough road, I think, if, if you think that winning the division is probably the way to get to the playoffs. Well, I mean, and I still think it is. Well, I, I still think a wild card is clearly they're in the wild card chase as well. And that would be actually pretty cool to have a one game wild card. At How home. about a one game wild card? At home against the Phillies? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yes. Um, quick word about my friends at Window Nation. The intense summer heat is back, and it's causing your old leaky windows to produce unnecessary high-energy bills, allowing damaging UV rays to fade your valuables and make your windows even less effective. Listen up. The kids are at camp. Families are taking vacation. My trusted friends at Window Nation, the ones with more than 80,000 satisfied customers, including me, and many people I know, and an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Well, they've got extra capacity right now, and they've got to keep their factory busy, busy and their installers working. So for the first time ever, you get one window free for every window you buy, no minimum or maximum purchase required, on all style windows, plus no down payment, no payment, and no interest for 24 months. Not a year anymore, but two years. 24 months. Buy now, start saving now, and literally pay nothing for two full years. Trust the window company that I trust. Visit windownation.com or go or call 866-90-NATION. That's 866-90-NATION to get one free window for every window you buy, no limit, plus no down payment, no payments of any kind, and no interest for 24 months. Call soon. This sale ends on July 31st. Uh, so the NBA continues to be in the headlines, you know, and I know we, we had the home run derby last night, but this Westbrook situation is really interesting. What OKC decides to do. Um, they tra- traded, uh, Jeremiah Grant yesterday. Now they're looking to deal Westbrook. So they're looking to start all over. Right. Sam Presti wants to clear the slate, start all over. I still am a little bit, and I, and I didn't talk to Mike, um, yesterday about this too much. I, it, nothing indicates the players run this league more than Paul George having years left on his deal, going to the general manager and saying, I don't want to play here anymore. And the general manager saying, okay, we'll trade you. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, it makes contracts irrelevant. And the reason that, you know, you, they, they don't make these players, you know, play out their contracts on huge commitments that these teams made, huge business commitments. Um, huge amounts of trust that went into these relationships is because the players sour and they don't play to the level that they th- that they played at previously. No one wants an unhappy player on their roster, and these players get unhappy very easily and very quickly. So Sam Presti just, okay, we'll trade him. Now, he really made out. I yes. mean, the package that they got back from the Clippers is an all-timer. I mean, I, I, meant, I mentioned yesterday, Tommy, people will probably rank the Herschel Walker to um, Minnesota trade, the Jimmy Johnson trade, as one of the great NFL trades of all time. I think this Paul George to the Clippers for five, two really good players, one budding star, um, five picks and the ability to swap two future picks is one of the all-time NBA trades. Now, I'm not saying that the Clippers were fleeced. Minnesota was fleeced yes. in that deal many, many years ago. 
Um, the Clippers are going for it. This is what you have to do in the NBA. You got to go for it. They got they they essentially traded all of that for for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard doesn't come if Paul George doesn't come. So essentially, they gave all of that up. I mean, if you want to view it in that context, and I heard somebody on ESPN saying this, it may have been Bobby Marks saying you really have to view it as they gave up two really good players, five first round picks, and the future swapping of two additional first round picks. For Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Because you would not have gotten Kawhi Leonard without making this trade for Paul George. But um, it, this is the NBA. If you're unhappy and you're a star, you are able, like Anthony Davis did, you're able to say, to hell with the rest of my contract and the commitment I made. I want to go somewhere else. I want to go play with a better organization or with a better player and have a chance to win. Or in Paul George's case, all of those things with going home added into it. You know, it, uh, this is a real bizarre situation for me because it's not my typical uh, position, but I'm okay with the players calling all these shots. I'm kind of okay with it because, I mean, this notion of of player loyalty to teams, that ship sailed a long time ago, and to fan bases. That ship has sailed. That doesn't exist anymore. I mean, you know, I mean... You own a jersey by a guy, and and that guy is going to be gone in two or three years. Sometimes by by the team's decisions, sometimes by the player's decision. So let let's let's face this up front and realize that there is no more loyalty on either side from the owners, from the governors. Let me say, <laughs> and, and the players. So if there if there isn't anymore, let let's let's be honest about it and say, let 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 people move when they want, where they want. And I don't have a problem with the players calling the shots as opposed to the governors. I mean, whose jerseys do you buy? Do you buy Ted Leonsis' jersey or do you buy Bradley Beal's jersey? I mean, the... the you know, the, They're I, compensated pretty well. Yeah, and, they, I, I and, get and that. And now, in addition to being compensated incredibly well, they also get to you know, receive this compensation and, and dictate terms in which it's they'll play and how they'll play and for whom they'll play. It's different. I don't have a problem seeing the owners on their heels. I think it's a good place for them to be. Look, the league's healthy. Um, it's healthy. It's it, and going into next year, you you know the fact that Kawhi didn't end up with the Lakers means you've actually got you know more of a wide open field than you've had. No, the West is going to be tremendous. It's going to be tremendous. Um, by the way, I, I did mention I think that they traded Grant, OKC traded Grant yesterday, got picked up another first round pick. So they, they've yeah. acquired six first round picks in the last couple of days. Um, couple, couple of things. First of all, Westbrook to Miami, I don't know if it makes sense. I mean, Westbrook and Butler. Butler to me, I th- Mike said that a lot of the people that he talks to thinks that Philadelphia's got a chance to get to the NBA Finals next year. The two players that delivered you know, at the end of games for Philadelphia in the postseason were Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick, and yeah. neither one of them is there anymore. Jimmy Butler's one of those badass, you know, I can handle this, I'll take the big shots guys. Yeah. Um, I thought last year Russell Westbrook did a better job of deferring to not only Paul George, but to some of the younger players as well. I actually don't think he will have a problem um, playing in Miami with Jimmy Butler, and I think it'll make Miami a very interesting team to watch. It'll be interesting to see what Miami gives up for them. But I wanted to just mention, because I, I, I said this to Mike yesterday, that personally, I would if I were the Wizards, I'd be looking to try to take some of those picks that they got from the Clippers and now the one they got from the Nuggets back for Bradley Beal 
and let in in but apparently OKC doesn't they want to move on. They want to start over. So that they want to move Westbrook. But if there was even a thought for a moment, let's add a, another star and keep Russ, I would have been on the phone calling OKC if I were Tommy Shepard or Ted Leonsis, you know, Governor Ted and seeing whether or not they were interested in Bradley Beal. The big thought is what OKC. OKC's thinking big. Thinking big in in terms of starting over. The Wizards aren't thinking big. They're thinking small. Oh, we're picking up second-round picks over here, but we're keeping Beal. No, to get real assets, to get real future assets so you could actually build something, you've got to start over. And starting over means dealing Beal, who is never going to be the lead dog on a contending team. What if... What if their strategy here is if so, you know holding out and I think this is possible holding out if somebody wants Bradley Beal at the trade deadline uh no whatever it would happen that they have to take John Wall with it I just don't see anybody I know that there was this this rumor or this report about Miami being interested in Wall and Beal obviously to get Beal and maybe to have Wall at some point down the road I, I just look. I think it's always possible. I mean, let's that, face it. They look. Uh, Ernie managed to find a dummy to take Gilbert Arenas. Oh, I know. Okay, uh, and, and Rashard Lu- and Rashard Lewis. So, so in that contract. So they could be saying, well, you know, the the deal w- that we're going to make for Bradley Beal to get fully clear of of what we want to do, we need to be added to John Wall business too. Yeah, I just don't see anybody wanting John Wall. I don't. Yeah, but but I but what's interesting? So I brought up Beal for for another reason too. If they're waiting for that, you know what? Then good for them for thinking that way. I think that that's nearly as delusional as thinking that Kevin Durant would sign here in 2016. <laughs> I just don't see somebody saying. You know, it'd be one thing if he just had the injury, but it's the super max contract that kicks in that would absolutely make me as a general manager say, are you high? Yeah, I know. First of all, I don't know that he'll ever be the same, and then I'm going to pay him this? You're insane. I know. Um, it doesn't make sense. But one of the reasons I brought up the BLOKC thing is because you really haven't heard Beal mentioned at all. It's because either it's one of two things. It's the Wizards have essentially told everybody he's not available. We're not dealing Bradley Beal um, in the same way that they said that we weren't dealing Otto Porter, too. Yes. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, but the we're not dealing Bradley Beal or Tommy. Just consider for a moment, and it wouldn't shock me, if there's not nearly the interest in Bradley Beal as some people believe that there should be or that there even is from other teams. I personally like Bradley Beal. I think he's a really good NBA scorer. He's not an elite player. He's not a top 15 player, um, in my view. Uh, he has there, – there are portions of his game that are flawed, that, that get exposed in at times in the playoffs. He's not nearly the defender I've heard Scott Brooks say he is. I just disagree with him on that. I think he can be at times a good defender. I think John Wall at times, when he's really been into it, has been a decent defender, but he's not a consistent defender. He's not a consistent shot maker. He is a he's a scorer though. He can figure out how to get you 23, 24 yeah. a game. Um but I, I think I would not be surprised that if the if the rest of the league or the really sharp GMs look at Bradley Beal and say he's a he's a number three guy he's he would be the best of the thirds on your team he's not an elite star 
Uh, but I don't know. I think Beal and I think Beal off of Westbrook would be interesting. I mean, Westbrook staying now with uh, Shea Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander is is not. They both essentially play the same position. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I. I I w- I've been wrong about Westbrook over the years. I've definitely been wrong. I've been a massive fan. I'm still a and fan I, of watching not. him play. I've never been a fan. I've always I know thought you, you're you, not going to win yep. with, with with this guy. Although he did, you're right, he did temper uh, his, his – I mean, he plays out of control. He's managed to temper that a little bit. Last year he did. Played more in control uh, when he wasn't uh, threatening to, to uh, you know, F up uh, fans in the stands. Uh, but uh, – Look, there's two things getting in the way of the Wizards. Uh, three things, if you conclude Bradley Beal, but really two things that are going to get in Tommy Shepard's way right now of of really changing the culture of this organization, which is what they're into right now. I mean, like I said, if, if the Boy Scouts had a team, they'd be on the Wizards draft board. Uh, John Wall, that that massive contract, and Scott Brooks as a coach for two more years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scott Brooks is not the coach you want moving forward with this team. But they owe him two more years at, at a total, I think, $14 million. And uh, that's going to hold them back. Uh, by the way, I, I agree with you. I, th- th- this is a team that for the next two years will not even be – will not sniff the eight seed. They'll be in the general area of 25 to 30 wins yeah. max. Um you know what's interesting? They, by the way, Jabari Parker. If you missed this, if anybody cares, ended up signing a two-year deal. Did with you the like Hawks. him? I, a I, lot of people who covered the team liked him. Well, I, I was blown away by how athletic and explosive he was as an offensive player around the rim. I did not realize that he had that kind of physical, explosive athleticism. But sloppy ball handler, couldn't guard anybody. Now, he would have played a lot and probably scored a lot on this team next year. Yeah. But I have no problem with them letting okay. him walk. I mean, he got a two-year, uh, $13.5 million yeah. deal, something like that, from the Hawks. Um, the, the funny thing about the Wizards roster next year, there are a couple of players that I actually like. Like, I, I thought Mo Wagner coming out of the draft in 2018 was going to be a really good NBA player somewhere down the road. They have him. I will be interested to see what Isaiah Thomas does back yeah. in a, more likely than not, a starting role. Um you know, Hachimura apparently has played really well in these summer league games. Yeah, but means summer league is like exhibition yeah, baseball. Um, and and the kid that they got from the Spurs, David Burton's, um, I think he can really shoot it. Like he really can shoot the three as a big dude, like six nine, six ten. You know, and stretch the floor. the The guy that I actually didn't hate the pick last year, Troy Brown Jr. I thought he could play, and thought he would. Be, he clearly wasn't ready at 19 years old or what he was, whatever he was last year, you would hope that Troy Brown Jr. gets a really good opportunity this year in his second year to to, to show something. But, but, but you look, at, you, you just mentioned Troy Brown. At least they don't have Dwight Howard. And 19 years old, that goes with with the character purge that they're doing. They, they didn't want him uh, around contaminating uh, the other players. But that's the distinct – again, I've, I've said that Tommy Shepard is, is basically approaching his personnel decisions as almost if – what would Ernie Grunfeld do and do the opposite? I mean, like Troy Brown is a perfect example. Look who Tommy Shepard drafted, uh, a, a four-year uh, player at, in college and, and a three-year player. Yep. And he, no, you know, no young kid, you know. I mean, they are in 
they are into good guys right now, yeah. Kevin. Well, we'll see. I mean, this is your you know this is your take right now, which is fine until they trade for Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if they did trade for Westbrook. I would be excited about it. They they would be a playoff team next year if they had Westbrook and Beal. Um, they would finish in the top eight uh, in the East and and be a playoff team next year. They're just it's not going to be a championship contending team. But if they had to give up a package of a couple of picks um, and I don't know who else, um, Troy Brown Jr. You know something like that to get Westbrook and you had Westbrook and Beal. Be a fun team to watch. Be a really fun team to watch, and I thought I don't think it'd be but, very. But fun. Westbrook's. I mean, again, this the the Wizards. I said this last week are totally, totally irrelevant as an. They're barely an NBA franchise right now. Look at you said barely you, an NBA franchise. You somehow stumbled onto something that was really smart. Of course, it was stumbling. Where where basically you said in the NBA today, bold is the way to go. Yeah, slow and steady. Does not win the race anymore. Uh, you want you want to be the hare. You don't want to be the tortoise. Ted should own the Redskins and Dan should own the Wizards. <laughs> it would be a much better situation. Um, what else you got? I got nothing else. I'm looking forward to the All Star game tonight and seeing. Oh, oh that's right. There's no Washington Nationals <laughs> playing in the game, but I'm I'm Was very Str- excited about Max Scherzer being introduced. Okay. Yeah, it would be nice to. to I, I'm. I, he can do whatever he wants in this thing. Yes, he can. I, I really wish Anthony Rendon were playing in the game tonight. Yeah, it'd be uh, nice. But uh, uh, look, he he's a good guy. So I think his first move, generally on things, is to do the right thing. You know, so that's why. And I think he's smart enough to recognize that the right thing would be to play. I think there's something really in the way of that. Uh, you might be right. I, I, I have no idea. You know, you know that team much better than I. Um, I, I if you're right, I just think it would be a, a situation where he's comfortable here. He's comfortable playing here. So, yeah, I know you're right. But uh, so maybe it will bode well for them. They've got to re-sign Anthony Rendon. Yes, they I, do. I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now. I would be absolutely floored if Anthony Rendon isn't a national for, for the long term. If they don't get a deal done with him, it would make no sense. It's it's Boris and it's the learners. They're going to figure it out. You would hope so. If they didn't want Harper, they want Rendon. Unless there's unless I'm missing something. And I agree with both of them. I I agree with that strategy. I I mean, Rendon is the guy you didn't want to let leave. Right. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, rate us and review us. That helps us. Also subscribe. That helps us. Also, if uh, Aaron, did you hear anybody complain that the the those that have subscribed that the the podcast the last couple of days hasn't it hasn't dropped right away for whatever reason? I haven't seen I anything was, about that. I, I was at something yesterday, and a couple of people said I haven't gotten it. You know, early in the day, I'm getting it at night. It's not dropping until night, so we'll look into that. Um, also, uh, for those that don't listen to podcasts but uh, have internet access and want to listen to the show. TheKevinSheehanShow.com. And let me point out, if you're driving around town this afternoon, uh, you can catch me with Andy Pollan uh, filling in for Chad Dukes on 106.7 Fan from 2 to 6 today. Perfect. Uh, Don't forget Stamps.com. If you're a small business, um, just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and use my code, KevinDC. That's K-E-V-I-N-D-C. Back tomorrow.